Uh, today our gospel is from Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 12. So I invite you, if you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to Matthew 4. You can pull it out on your phone, because that's what I encourage you to do with your phone, along with all those other things we talked about. It's a good place to read some scripture. Matthew 4, starting at verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. And going on from there, he, Jesus, saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains. They oppressed uh, by demons, those having seizures and paralysis, and Jesus healed them. The great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. Open our hearts, our ears, our lives to receive your word this morning. And grant us your spirit that we may follow you. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. Uh, the, the other day, I, I woke up really early, and, and I was confused because I didn't know where the sun was, and then it dawned on me. Thank you. Come on. It dawned on me. All right. That, that was a joke my Alana told me yesterday, and I had to share it with you this morning because I'm always a good fan of puns. Couldn't find the sun. It dawned on me. That's for those who missed it that first or third time. I can keep going. I've got more. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of, de 
uh, death on them. Light has dawned. Light has come. New light so that we can see. This is Jesus, right? This is what we've been waiting for. This is what was promised as we were worshiping back in December through Advent. This is what we celebrated on Christmas Eve, that the light has come into the world and darkness is afraid. Man, that's good news. But that, that was all like getting ready for Jesus and, and, and waiting for the arrival of the babe, Jesus, now it's getting real, right? Because now in this season of epiphany, as we continue to celebrate that the, the, the one who has come is who he says he is, and we are made aware of who Jesus is and what he does. And the thing that he does is he shines his light. I mean, can, can we celebrate for a moment that Jesus' light shines in the darkness. Have you been in the dark? Darkness of depression, addiction for you, for a loved one. Have you been in that darkness? Light shines. Have you been in the dark of, of disease and health? of circumstance, of finances? Have you been in that dark? On, on that light has come and shines. Have you been in the darkness of a foxhole? In the darkness of an operating room? In the darkness of a hospital room? Have you been in the darkness of a funeral home? Light shines in the dark. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. That's why he's here. The promises from of old come to bear as he shines his light. Amen? This is who Jesus is. I, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. I believe in Christianity like I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. That, that's who Jesus is. He changes the way we see. He changes the way we live. He changes the way we sit in the darkness. Because even when we are in the dark and all of life's circumstances crumble upon our shoulders, even there, especially there, the light shines. The light shines. And so we, we've been talking about it for so long and finally today we're at the point where like the promise and the anticipation of who Jesus is and what he's going to do, finally it, it, it's no longer anticipation, it's, it's happening. Jesus is beginning his public ministry. And so he comes and he, he shares his first lesson, his first words, like a, a, a professor's first lecture, like a, a quarterback's first huddle. Right? Like your first team meeting that you're in charge of leading, right? 
Those first words, they matter, they're important, and you put extra thought into what you're going to say. And so Jesus, as he comes onto the scene, with all that we've been anticipating, all that we're looking forward to, the first words out of Jesus are simply this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This sets up the entirety of his ministry. This sets up, it's the beginning, it's the first foretaste, the foreshadowing of all that Jesus is going to do. The first word, repent, right? That's a, that's a church word, right? We think about that, that means like all kinds of things in our mind, but the, the, the etymology of it, the meaning of the word, the definition of the word is simply to turn. To repent is to turn. Turn from and turn to. That is our life of faith. Turning from darkness to light. Turning from sin to Jesus. Turning from bitterness to the sweetness of the fruits of the Spirit. To repent is to turn, right? To turn, right? Think of, think of it uh, turning towards the light. Think of it, you know, maybe when you were a teenager, when you went on spring break and you used to arrange your lawn chair, your lounge chair directly so the sun could hit you just perfect, right? Remember those days? So you get the right tan with no tan line. That's what our life of faith is. To turn towards the light so that the light of Jesus is square on and you can follow him by knowing where the light is and going where the light points you. Repent means to turn. That's why we come here each week and we do our time of confession. That's a, a repentance. It's a, a turning from sin, death, and the devil towards Jesus, the Son of God, who died for you, who rose for you, who delivers you. Because turning isn't something we do once. It's a posture we do constantly. Right? Because if you're off just by two degrees... The longer you go, the further you are from your destination, right? So repentance, sometimes it's a big dramatic shift, and sometimes it's just a subtle adjustment, an adjustment of your attitude, an adjustment of your heart, an adjustment of your actions, doing the little things to help you follow more directly. Repent, turn towards the light. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Those are, are, are phrases that are, are used in Matthew, Mark, and Luke all over the place. Matthew, it's mostly kingdom of heaven. In Mark and Luke, it's kingdom of God. But, but scholars believe that they're really synonymous. They, they mean the same thing. They're the same sentiment. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. That that's what's come with Jesus. And, and Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, is, 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 is giving us a hint that for out, throughout his ministry, he's going to be teaching us about this 
important, vital element of who he is and what he brings, the kingdom of heaven. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven throughout. He teaches them almost always in parables, right, stories. Jesus always, not always, but most of the time he starts those parables, those stories with a a metaphor or a simile, right? A, A comparison, simile with like or as. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who takes seed and throws it on the path, the weeds, the good soil, the rocks. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a a wedding banquet. The kingdom of God is like tenant farmers. The kingdom of God is like, is like talents. See, everywhere God, Jesus talks about and teaches about the kingdom of God, he's always using a story, a metaphor, a, something that's, a, that's like it, a comparison. Do you know this is the only time that Jesus gives us direct teaching about the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is is close. That's what Jesus says. Everywhere else, he he gives us descriptors and, and characteristics of this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. But here at the beginning of, his, of his, his ministry, he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is close. It's here. I'm bringing it. So let's go. Because if it's close to me, If I'm the one that brings the kingdom of God, follow me closely and it'll come to you too. That's the invitation. Stick close to Jesus. Amen? I mean, that's our calling. That's the invitation. That's the, the expectation. Right? As followers of Jesus, it makes a whole lot better sense to follow him closely than at a great distance, right? We're not on a stakeout. It's okay if Jesus catches you close, right? You want to be close to Jesus. And so it makes sense as he's beginning his ministry, as he says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. I'm bringing it. It makes sense that the next interaction is an invitation, follow me. Because here's the truth about our God. He wants you to be a part of the kingdom of God. He wants you in. Isn't that good news? Right, right? I mean, if somebody has something amazing and they're like, yes, this is amazing. And you say, hey, can I? And they say, no, it's not for you. You're like, oh, yay. Right? But, but God looks at you. Jesus looks at you and says, I want you in. It's come close, but I want it not to be close to me. I want it to be close to you. And the best way to do that is by saying, follow me and us following him. Right? What does it mean to follow, right? 
follow him. That's the invitation to Simon Peter, to James, to John, to Andrew. Follow me. Follow me. And and I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm really good at making things complex. Are you good at that? Like I overthink things. I'm sure you don't. I do. And I'm really good at making simple things really hard. Because here's the, here's the truth about what it means to follow Jesus. It's not that complex. It's not that complex. Jesus says, follow me. Now it's hard, don't get me wrong. It's hard to follow Jesus, but it's not that complex. See, most of the time, I don't think that we have to wrestle all that much with what, what does Jesus want for us in this situation. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there's not a, a clear solution. But most of the time, he wants you to love. He wants you to be kind. He wants to, you to give of yourself to help. Right? But those aren't hard things to figure out most of the time, right? It's not hard to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. The problem isn't really a head thing, it's a heart thing. Because as Miss Paula and I often talk about in the midst of our life here at church, we say to each other, you know, this would be a whole lot easier if she and I weren't a bunch of black-hearted sinners. Right? And the problem is there's nobody in the room here that's not a black-hearted sinner. It's not a head thing, it's a heart thing, and it's hard to follow Jesus. It's not hard to figure out what he wants, it's just hard to step in and do it. Because I get in my own way. You ever get in your own way? Do you ever justify things? Do you ever procrastinate? Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Jesus says the kingdom of God is near. So follow him. That's the invitation. It's not complex. But it is hard. But sometimes hard things are the best things, aren't they? Sometimes hard things are the best things. And one of the elements as we think about the kingdom of God is that, that in all those parables that we're not getting into a whole lot, but, but as God, Jesus continues in his ministry to talk about the kingdom of God, he is constantly giving us the characteristics of the kingdom. This is what it looks like. This is what it means. This is how we interact. This is what God's love is. This is how we embrace that and live in that. And this is how we share that. That's what the parables of Jesus are all about, how God's love is unending when it comes to those who don't deserve it and how we share it with others. But as we think about the beginning of Jesus' ministry and as we think about the light that has come and dawned on all the darkness, I want to close with this component 
of what I think it might mean to follow Jesus. And again, it's not that hard to figure out, but it's really hard to do. And that's simply, if we want to follow Jesus, maybe we too should invite others to follow him. Maybe we too should echo his words and say, follow him to others. Right? I mean, that's part of the kingdom of God that is close and is near, is that, that Jesus wants it to manifest among us. But guess what? Kingdoms, kingdoms grow. And the, the way the kingdom of God grows is by our obedience to following him ourselves and our obedience to getting others to come on the journey with us. What does it look like to invite others to follow Jesus with you? When was the last time you invited someone to come to church? When was the last time you invited someone to come and sit next to you on Sunday morning? When was the last time you were bold in responding, well, this is what I believe? What do you believe? Right? I mean, I think that's part of our calling. As we follow Jesus close and come into the kingdom, are you bold? Are you willing to invite others to join you as well? Because here's the thought. Darkness doesn't just envelop you, right? There's a lot of darkness in the world today. There's a lot of hardship. There's a lot that we carry around as a burden. And, and knowing Jesus doesn't mean we don't have burdens. It doesn't mean we don't go through darkness. It doesn't mean that, that everything is sunshine and butterflies and rainbows, right? Right? I've never understood the people who say, well, faith, that's just a crutch, right? So you can get through life. Amen. Amen. And you're lying to yourselves if you don't think you're limping, right? So as you go from here today, I, I want you to think about the kingdom of God. I want you to think about the goodness of God. And I want you to just wrestle with yourself. Is, is what you have here at Prince of Peace, in your faith, in your life, does it, does it bring hope to you? Does it bring joy to you? Does it bring life to you in a way that helps you through the hard times? My, my hope is it. Your answer is yes. If not, come talk to me because I want to learn and I want to help. But, but if your answer is yes, I want you to think about someone that's struggling and hurting and covered in darkness. And 
I want you to be bold. Pray for opportunities. To invite them. Say, come. I found a place. A place where I belong. A place where I fit in. A place where I'm loved and embraced and it's fun. But mostly a place where Jesus is lifted up. And his light shines. And it changes the way I see My hope is that's true for you, and my hope is that we together can be bold in inviting others to come, follow. Follow me as I follow Jesus. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. Follow me as I follow Jesus. In the name of Christ, amen.